One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but it's not later. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song. But hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel hate and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is August 14th, 2022, the eve of Ben Affleck's birthday. It is me, Zach Weber, joined by the Porteous with the Mortius in person, Chris. It is so wild to be finally doing this in person. I've probably sat in on a few dozen of these at this point, and, uh, I was at a collector's event in uh, in Zach's neighborhood, and uh, I met up with him last time I was here, and it's been three years, and they had the same event again, so it's awesome to hang out in person a little bit. The second annual three years later. Yeah. Yeah. There was an unfortunate name choice, I guess. Yeah. Kind of beautiful in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, over the last, like, 48 hours, Zach was exposed to, like, some extreme nerdery uh, via the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club, which is really sort of focused on like the vintage Star Wars collecting side of things. And they get pretty extravagant with their uh, their events. And Zach's had a front row seat to that for a little while. So they had like panels and they had a buy, sell, trade session. So I'm just, you know, we haven't, we haven't had a too much of a chance to talk about uh, his experience of taking that all in so far. So I'm very curious to hear his take on that. There was also mozzarella sticks. We can't forget the mozzarella sticks. Right. <laughs> Come on, Chris. You can't leave out the hors d'oeuvre that hour. That was on the actual uh, itinerary. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, you got to space out space out your panels about uh, food premiums and uh, foreign licensees for figures and whatnot. Exactly. You can't get everybody too hot and bothered. You got that fried food to kind of soak up the excitement. Exactly. Oh dear. But yes, no, uh, Chris was uh, obviously in 2019 came out here and uh, this was the impetus for that. And so a few months ago he said, Hey, it's happening again. Um, it'd be a shame if you kind of let this uh, fly under the radar again. I think there'll be some stuff for you to uh, glean from this. And so no, so I uh, made sure to uh, some block, block some days off in my calendar and it's, it's been, I want to say it's been a rewarding experience. It's definitely a, Oh God, the best way to characterize it is if you've ever, if you're listening to this podcast, you're clearly probably the most Star Warsy person in your social circle. And at some point you've geeked out, nerded out, went off on some sort of tangent related to Star Wars nonsense. And the person you're kind of like talking to who is very much not that individual just gives you that blank stare. Um, probably for like the second or third time in my life, I've experienced that. Whereas like, like the, the, probably the, the easiest way to just phrase this last couple of days is in the weeds, just in the, and not, I don't mean that as a negative. I mean, just out of my depth when it comes to a very particular aspect of star Wars collecting and that just like things that I never thought about people poured insane amount of time and research energy into it and it's rewarding because it's 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 learning stuff that you, you no one will ever focus on it that specifically in a book 
maybe in an online article, but it'd be something that would probably be relegated to like a, a third of a page. Um, so to actually have people sit there in, in real life, devote 30 minutes with like examples, pictures, text, explaining it in detail. No, it, it's something that you can't pass up as a Star Wars nerd because there's a good chance you'll never get to hear it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you sort of phrase it that way. Knowing these guys, I'm sort of always, I always sort of feel like I'm in the position of there's 15, 20 people who know more about this stuff than me in the room. And uh, that retains my engagement with this stuff because it, it somehow elevates it to slightly above the uh, degenerate pastime that you might <laughs> consider Star Wars collecting to be. It's like, look, there's functional people who do uh, very interesting things and they've like poured so much more time into thinking about these niche aspects of it. Like there was a few panels, you know, one was just every like mail away product. Pre-1999. Just pre-1999. Nothing like that's the thing that makes it so fascinating is that it's stuff from a bygone era that during which nobody really saved. So the record keeping is nowhere near as extensive as it would be in the Internet age. So it requires genuine research. There's literally photos of like candy wrappers from 79 that are like a mail away for some Star Wars promotion. It's like, how 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 does that even still exist? So many cheese lids. Oh, yeah. so many cheese lids. Yeah. Although it was sort of like more vintage focused and despite my efforts of trying to make that stuff seem cool to Zach, like he's resisted. Oh, absolutely it for, not. Yeah, absolutely he, not. He, he's There's really- a hard, hard rejection. Cause even uh, Chris yesterday, Saturday, Chris is like, Oh, the first part of this is that we're going to like a toy shop. Like that's about 30 minutes East of you. And he's like, but kind of like, sit on your wallet because I don't want you to blow your wad too early when it comes to money. And so I'm like, okay, Chris. And so like we go to this place and it's called the Imperial Castle, Castle yeah. in Pauling, New York, which I'd never heard of. Like I said, about 20, 30 minutes from me, never heard of it. Walked in there and kind of already on cloud nine, just looking at some of the stuff. Um, oh God, like, a, I don't want to say life size, but kind of like a, what? Five by eight foot tall Lego TIE fighter. Um, display, like like a bunch of stuff like that that you don't normally see. And so as soon as we walk in, the, uh, the proprietor's like, oh, come to the basement. And like I'm, I'm a kind of having sensory overload just walking throughout this shop, just getting to the basement. And it's like, oh, look at this. There's this, that, and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, come to the basement. And I'm like, okay, what, like, what's going on in the basement? And I'm like, okay. And so we go down there, and it, like, it was a treasure trove for me. Like it is – it was almost – exclusively stuff from what I would consider my favorite era of Star Wars collecting, 1999 to contemporary. And I just lost it. Like, it was just like, like, I, I really didn't know where to begin to. I know at one point that like, it was just Chris and I, when we first started, what, there was easily a dozen people down there. And by the end, it was just Chris and I. And Chris was like, yeah, we probably should go upstairs. It's like, like an hour later. Cause I was just <laughs> like, we were just finding so many things that like you, you take for granted like what was our favorite item? The twelve-inch uh, like doll of Sebastian Shaw, and we were just like having so much fun, just yeah. staring at this thing and laughing at it. It was yeah, I don't know what it's like. Some Hasbro like twelve-inch Sebastian Shaw, and it was like the ultimate collector series or whatever. There was one in a box and one loose, just sitting out there smiling at us. And like at that point, you would have think the marketing team would know enough to just not make that because like he's not Anakin like next week basically it was just it's just it's because that's like 98 maybe I don't know again he was still part of Star Wars because what the, the mail away one was in the same time period of that 
No, the ma- the the mail away figure is eighty five. Is it? Yeah. Okay, that's different then. Yeah, what was I thinking of that? No, maybe the holographic one, like the uh, the Force Ghost one, because that was what Power of the Force two. Was yeah, the... so ninety eight, uh, same as this larger figure. So that's okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of then. So that's the thing is that he again. That's the thing thing you got to see about Sebastian Shaw. Like this was a guy that was known as Anakin Skywalker redeemed for how many decades in. Lucasfilm of the last, what, 25 years has ignored him? I don't think, again, there's a part of that too where like, I get it. They want to tie this to Hayden Christensen, but this was somebody that was hired to do a job. And I I, I would love to know what the SAG residuals are for that, that you're cutting somebody out. Um, I would think that by 98, they would know that whoever is going to play Anakin in episode two and three, we're not going to really try and tie it to that dude. You know what I mean? I guess, it, like, because he wouldn't have never been old enough by the end of episode three for that to make sense. Uh, there, there's always, again, a lot of Lucas stuff that he was thinking of in 97, 98. I, I would love to know what his thought process was in that specific time period. We spend too much time now thinking about what Lucas is doing in the food court, whereas we should have been thinking about what he was doing, like, in 94, 97. Because that was, he was clearly making very hard, like, very rigid decisions. Um, Again, why, why is Obi-Wan the age he is in The Phantom Menace? Like, there, there's a lot of things like that. Why is Anakin, think about it, why is Anakin 9 in Padme 14 in The Phantom Menace? She's 14 in The Phantom Menace, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, Weird well, Al. that's what that's what Weird, Weird Al, Al says. Exactly. Yeah. So no, that's that's the question. Is that there's there's so many specific decisions being made? Because what Obi Wan's twenty five by the Phantom Menace, right? Well, if he's twenty, if he's supposed to be twenty, <laughs> if he's supposed to be twenty five, Qui Gon's really like infantilizing him a little bit the way he talks to him and yeah. stuff. So like, I don't know. Getting back to the toy aspect of all this, but like, they, yeah. there was literally an entire what two or three just card tables filled with like 99 2002 2005 era 12 inch figures like every basically every like hasbro 12 inch yep. figure and like from like super battle droids like a smile and palpatine like the only thing that was missing was i think the revenge of the sith clone trooper like that was the only like 12 inch figure that wasn't there everything else was there and it's just Again, somebody who grew up during that time period, it, it, it's remarkable. There was an Admiral Akbar with like a turtleneck sweater, and we were again laughing at this, just being like, "Man, that's beautiful!" Like we would never get that today. With like big glass eyes that looked accurate, like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like they made a twelve-inch Admiral Akbar. But there was also stuff too. Like there was like we found, I found Phantom Menace, um, like the stationary set with like the folders and the pencils, and, and I, I didn't show Chris the uh, the six-inch ruler yet. But there, but there was all these things. That that you kind of forget about because just the Phantom Menace in that prequel era was so over-merchandised that you, you you remember it, but you have to have it kind of highlighted. So you're seeing all that stuff, like that's your, that's dialed in like right to your preferred era, as you were saying. Like I, I kind of agree that I think I'm a little more precise on that. I think like the best three and three quarter stuff was from like 2007 to like nine basically where the articulation was getting was getting good and like legacy collection and all that and there was a lot of that down there not a lot of vehicles though that was the big thing not a lot of vehicles yeah so let's uh let's let everybody know like you did end up leaving with a few things they might have seen it already uh in the group but uh 
the big thing, I guess the big takeaway from that was uh, what wasn't purchased, which I think we should have gotten the picture of and maybe in like in subsequent weeks I'll go back and get it, was a Darth Maul inflatable chair, which we tried to lowball the guy on and he like flipped his lid and then he like looked on eBay and he like he apologized. He's like, the market has crashed on this. And like Chris and I are just like, like we're just trying not to laugh. Um that yeah. that being probably the biggest regret of the weekend is not taking that home for the this just for the pictures alone. Listen, I believe that I don't know. Doesn't matter when you go back. Chances are you'll be able to find that. <laughs> I know, right? No. Yeah. So you have a you have a better bargaining position when you come back in a month and it's okay. still there. it's still there. Be like, hey, you won forty last time. Like clearly we can do thirty now. Um, but no, the uh, I walked out with uh, we were trying. I was trying to collect all the Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut cups. I was only able to get the Sebulba, Wado, and Yodas. And I should say, Chris, that since yesterday, I washed those out. And there is a very, very potent mothball smell to the toppers that I have, after washing them out three times today, I still can't get rid of. So they might have to take a like a, like a Lysol bath just simply to kind of get that odor out of them. Because like they were sitting in a basement for how long? And I really don't want to be drinking anything through those until I figure that part out. Um, but no, those are the most fun. Uh, after that, probably my next favorite item was there was a Force Awakens. We kind of everybody was everybody in the shop was arguing as to what what it came from. Um, that will be something I'll do more research on in the next couple of weeks, just trying to figure out exactly what stores display that was part of. If I had to guess, probably what Toys R Us is because Toys R Us is probably the most over the top in probably promoting toys for the Force Awakens. Toys R Us had, Toys R Us had a lot of big crazy stuff uh at the force awakens launch in my area but i don't remember that piece specifically it could have come off a larger display it's a marquee there's there's no jeffrey there's no like target bullseye dog like it's legit just the logo with the star background and that was like i said like as everybody knows the force awakens being my least favorite star wars film like no questions asked it's a cool piece and like many Star Wars nerds, I've realized like delving into uh, promotional stuff is kind of the we have to preserve that because eventually it'll be thrown out. It's pretty much where it's at. I mean, like even with like like you saw, um, like uh, my buddy Mike from Toronto came with us, and even with the older vintage stuff, like the real showstoppers are like these crazy store displays that that uh it's just remarkable they're even still intact like like what like they started the buy and sell uh part of the night and my buddy mike within min within seconds the first couple minutes it was like he he couldn't run back to our table fast yeah, for this thing it's like a two foot tall store display from burger king in 1980 when they had like glasses for the empire strikes back and it, it would rotate one out of four per week and you'd like they would slot in the the featured one and you'd have the rest of the four at the bottom and it's just like somebody's kept this in reasonable shape for 40 years that they may have not even unfolded it to a flat state in that time it doesn't really look like they had especially for fast food stuff because that stuff just it, it, it's meant to last a month no more no less yeah so no that again that was the big thing was the force awakens i did pick up two hallmark ornaments 
um, that Chris was not particularly enthused about. I don't even think like I mean I don't think the shop owner was enthused either. I don't. It didn't seem like we you he even like Looked added to, to the bill for those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was cool. Like one of them was a like, I've been had my eye on it now for a couple of years. It was the Death Trooper. And the other one was uh, Admiral Akbar, and like Akbar, like how can you go wrong with having uh, a giant a squid man on your Christmas tree come December? Like that that seems like a slam dunk right there. Yeah. Um, but no, that was like I said, that place like I'd never heard of it, and I was genuinely blown away. And there was a lot of cool stuff there too that wasn't even Star Wars really. Like Chris found the uh, the bugs from Starship Troopers, like mint in box, and he like it's like oh god, what a twelve by twelve inch box, and it's just beautiful. And we're just kind of like gawking at it. Like obviously, I like I like all that Star Wars stuff, but like real estate's a problem, you know. Like yeah, like no doubt there was twenty, thirty, three and three quarter figures from like seven or eight different lines down there, and uh, you know, like you, yeah, a lot of it's pretty interesting. The sensory overload makes you just want the starship trooper bug it's just like you know what that's easy that's a manageable thought it's cool it's right there you know but uh yeah i don't i think you did well i like i i wasn't like an order of magnitude off on the price estimate for this the force awakens store display like that was random though that that's one where i feel like some again that's one where if you know somebody in retail you can probably get that easily because that's something that can very easily be squirreled away um but what happened later that day kind of offset because i got what i truly wanted later that night free of charge so uh but we'll get to that in due time as chris looks perplexed but <laughs> yeah the, the true everybody knows the star wars film that is my ultimate favorite all right. I obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's been like a wild couple of days because I have zero memory of what Zach's talking about, and it was probably less than twenty four no, hours is, ago. This is it, approximately. Um, no, because like I said, not to jump around too too much, but in Chris's swap meet for this group, um, while talking to some everybody during the uh, cocktail hour, there was uh, obviously I was wearing the Phantom Menace shirt um, that I, I've acquired through an eBay purchase and. And it's weird because, like, I will say that the wardrobe attire is kind of all over the place. And that, like, obviously, most people are wearing t shirts, though, but most of it's contemporary, except for Chris, who obviously had, like, a homemade, like, a custom made shirt just to show his cred. Um, one guy even had the Ahsoka series TV shirt. And I was just kind of like, like that has to be officially licensed. It's, it, that was a, that was a celebration store. Yeah, that's thing. okay. Yeah. So I figured that. Um, but that's the thing, though. Like most of these shirts, everybody's wearing is contemporary, and I'm walking around with a shirt that's uh, almost as old as I am. And so people kind of looked at me, and, and one guy actually said out loud, "Oh, thank God, I'm no longer the youngest person at this thing," and, which is weird considering that I'm turning thirty later this month. And uh, I was talking to him. I'm just obviously a big thing being just displays and stuff like that. And he's uh, we're just going on and on, and he's like, "Oh, I actually brought two Rise of Skywalker displays with me." And I honestly was like, if I wasn't able to kind of give them away later today, I was going to throw them away. And I'm like, "What? What is it from the Rise of Skywalker?" I again, beggars can't be choosers. So I'm like, "I'll take it if it even has the logo." And he's like, "Oh, it has like the Kylo Ren with like the red uh, super glue and Ray with like Chewbacca and whoever is behind her." I'm like, "Perfect." So no. So the joke kind of that later that night that Chris can't remember was I spent a hundred dollars for the Force Awakens sign and I got what I probably really wanted for free. So it kind of offset it in that regard because if that guy at the Imperial Castle had Rise of Skywalker stuff, I kind of would have been like, I don't want to say I would have paid whatever for it, but like it would have been really hard to turn anything that 
like that down. You would have probably paid paid the same price for the for the for the one you ended up getting for free later on. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting how that works out. So I was happy. Yeah. So they had these four panels. They were all subject matter wise. They're kind of all over the place. Like I said, there was one about like the mail away promotions. There was a, a, another one that you saw was um, a, a, a guy who like sort of went to Tunisia to recover props from episode one and a new hope. That one was like, in, in my opinion, that was like the most interesting one just because the stuff they were collecting, although it obviously has some value it, it's really just it was like set deck basically like broken apart pieces of uh the moss espa set from episode one and a, a, the odd piece from a new hope mostly crate dragon bones uh but to me that's just interesting seeing the photos of like uh, a couple guys going down there in 1999 just trying to scavenge stuff it, there it seemed like especially with that like these guys rounded up this shipping container of like all the stuff that they found and like it's it's almost like just knowing this sort of crew of people, like he, he probably has a few key pieces on display still, but like, I'm, I'm sure most of that is sort of just nebulously gone. Cause it's so generic and like, it just looks like broken construction materials for the most part. It's more about the story of them going there. I remember like getting an initial reaction from you. That was just sort of like, when you see the actual materials they recovered, it's like, what what was the point of this? Yeah, <laughs> like I said, not not to be cynical because I think the story is more potent than the actual what do you want to call it pieces recovered. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's probably it would oh god, it'd be one of those things where come one of those like YouTube channels would be like a great video. Um, like there's a great 30 minute YouTube video that someone could probably sit there and make probably five grand off ad revenue even from just, the story. Even just like editing down his story and using the photos as the only visual. Yeah, yeah. no, like, like I said, and considering also there's some potent people in the Star Wars collecting realm. Like it's nice to actually now after all these years of talking to Chris and he kind of like, again, I use this term the most affectionate way possible. And Chris is like, oh man, like I'm going to hit the bleep button. Like the cabal that Chris likes to like make these people out to be for like, and he has for the last years. If you listen to this podcast, podcast Chris like the people I associate with it's nice to actually put kind of like a face to this now so like these are people that like Chris always said like like had no problem with Galaxy's Edge did not see it as heresy or blasphemy to the fandom um but no it's that panel was the most obviously because there was an actual story there as opposed to just research it wasn't again it wasn't just a PowerPoint presentation and that's one where it's like I it's Again, the story's more interesting than having a piece of the crate dragon. Like, if somebody sat there, came to me and say, hey, like, and, like, dropped it on the table, here is a piece of the crate dragon that was in the desert of Tunisia in 1976. Again, it'd be f- fun to sit there and say you have a piece of that, but I think that's the extent of it, is to say, oh, I have a piece. It, it, it's more of the story than the actual material. Well, it, it, it like, I, I don't know. It's weird for me because, like, all the like broken sides of buildings from Moss Espa, like uh, the presenter's name was Chris Jorgulius. He does a lot of writing for the SWCA. You can find his articles and stuff if you search him, if you can figure out how to spell his last name, which is an ongoing joke with those guys. But, um, you know, like, like his, like from the episode one stuff, his favorite piece was like a backpack that an extra walks by in one scene and you can yes. see it. Cause it was the only thing that he found that was like, intact enough that it's like this is a prop <laughs> it's not a broken piece of a wall but i mean it, like to me like i don't know maybe I, like it's maybe i'm crazy like i kind of like episode one but like 
another thing he found was just like a broken piece of like the garage dome from the Lars homestead. And like that, even though it was just like, like a light that you can port- point to though, yeah, that you can point to. And that's iconic. That's the best thing that they found in that whole trip. As far as I'm concerned, like, cause you're just like, that's exactly what that is. If you f- displayed it with a photo of that yeah. dome, you'd figured out in two seconds. Or yeah. a door frame. I think the door frame. Yeah, probably, those are pretty. I, the good. door frame would be really good. Like if you're putting up a little shed somewhere and you want to put your own like door there. Like, I don't know how you could do that properly, but you, well, yeah, like uh, like um, they're not going to post these panels, unfortunately. But uh, they were not even recorded. But like there was like they were they were dealing with a guy in Tunisia who was actually building one of these uh, into the Moss Espa doors into his house. <laughs> like and it was like half under construction. Like while they they took a picture of like the frame built around it, it hadn't been filled in yet. It's just it's I don't know. There's some there's something there's a charm to surreal it. about seeing stuff like that. And it's just like if you imagine being there, it must have been the weirdest thing. I don't know, but I also I, there's I, okay to give my own. The whole time while this panel was happening, I kept thinking of my own instance like this. Um, if you've ever, Chris hasn't heard this story either. If you've ever seen the 2005 film War of the Worlds starring Tom Cruise directed by Steven Spielberg, I found out like a month before that movie came out, and it was right after I moved to New York, that that was filmed right where my grandmother lived, where I'd spend years coming up for like two weeks in the summer. And so we went, and like, if it's actually from the scene in that movie where they get on the ferry and the tripod comes out of the water. And I remember like my grandmother took us to the exact location to like where it was filmed. And I remember even asking like, oh, where's the ferry? And she's like, there is no ferry. It's Athens, New York. There's nothing up here. There's no ferry in Athens, New York. Um, and I remember like you can actually back in 2005, you can actually find the spot where they had this faux ferry and where Tom Cruise and all of them were getting on it. And I remember taking like a pebble, like a small little pebble and like actually like creating my own little thing for like, oh, this, this and that. And I'm like... This like and like I said, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Like I said, I think the treasure is not the actual artifacts, quote unquote, recovered from the Tunisia desert. I think the story and the pictures are the treasure, um, and that's all time. I'm just like, and I think maybe it goes to like I don't care about props. Um, like, would it be again? Would it be fun to sit there and say you have something very specific from the film that was screen used? Yes, but something that's been sitting in a desert that was probably considered trash by the production yeah um as an individual as isaac i'm just like i would never go to those insane lens he added this part into the story which of course i already knew and (laughs) russ art russ would have already known this too real quick quick sidebar yeah during this what would you think zenger would think of all this and we both immediately were like zenger would probably be like superficially engaged but russ would be losing his mind right now russ um would have already known that the crate <laughs> dragon is was not in fact made for star wars and it's like a crappy approximation of a brontosaurus or something made for an earlier film called one of our dinosaurs is missing and uh it's there's something it, that underscores the absurdity of the mission when like the, near the plateau of the story you're like by the way this wasn't even made for star wars this this thing we're, we're sifting through the desert we're literally combing the desert like in space balls to find this thing and it was made for another film and just discarded um yeah really really interesting and i mean this is like a brontosaurus with like ribs and legs and stuff and, and of course in the movie you just see like the vertebrae and the spine and they were recovering like the ribs and toes and claws in the desert. So it's, it just makes you wonder, like they brought, 
I, everything. I, I, I always thought they just shipped the spine because it's like it would be a smaller crate. But no, they shipped the whole thing there and then just either got tired putting it together or thought it looked better just as the yeah. the the spine that's they yeah. still threw the extraneous pieces in the sand yeah so, so, so like there's again there's a logistic aspect to this that like you just again begs questions to be asked <laughs> yeah i don't know it's i it's i like hey it's as far as i'm concerned it was it was reasonable entertainment for like 40 minutes or whatever yeah, although, again like i said it's a thing of like if somebody sat there came to me right now like would you want a piece of this like free of charge i'd be like no but i think the story in the pictures are infinitely more interesting I, and the whole idea too of like in what was the context of this? What March of two thousand nineteen ninety nine? Yeah, it was like after they'd filmed episode one down there, but before the movie came yeah. out. Yeah, it's it, it's like the idea of scavenging the set of a for a movie. It's it's like really betting a lot on something that you don't know if it's going to pay off. And obviously, I feel like it was a very. Uh, veiled joke and like oh this will all turn out to be the phantom menace so it's like obviously it's most espa um but like until what the last year most espa hasn't really meant much to to the fandom and obviously there's no tunisia connection with contemporary most no, espa no, they won't go to tunisia even for what the rise of skywalker they they wouldn't go to tunisia because it's just uh how politically volatile that region is now. Well, also, it's um, the desert planets of the sequel trilogy are Jordan, right? not Tatooines of some nature. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, well, like I said, but even because um, what they shot in Jordan a lot. That was the big thing for the sequel. Yeah, trilogy. it looked a little different though. Like you don't want it to look exactly like Tatooine, but it's not supposed to be Tatooine. That'd be a weird choice. <laughs> oh, Disney. Um, yeah, because at one point, too, because we were talking with Chris, I'm like, does anybody go looking for, like, any props from, like, the sequel trilogy? And Chris is like, yeah, a handful of people do, but there's really, A, nothing's left behind, because I literally comb, comb everything, so nothing like this slips through the cracks. And two, it's just the idea there's, there's not as much demand for this sort of thing. Well, it's just, like, uh, yeah, like, first of all, Star Wars became huge, and then there's the cultural change of you don't leave behind like barrels of trash after you film it in a place anymore. Like you used to in the seventies. I, I say, goddamn social responsibility. <laughs> God damn it. Depriving yeah. us all the star yeah. Wars nerds of memorabilia. Although in Northern California, apparently part of the, the Andor bunker was left behind. And a guy did build that into a fence on his property, <laughs> which was recovered from somebody, somebody down the road. So, but like Imperial walls were part of this guy's fence. Yeah, weird. I'm trying to think. When's the last time they blew something up officially in Star Wars that we could go hunting for? In California, there's also the the gravesite of the full size sail barge, which you can. Oh, yeah. There is parts of that out Still there. there. Yeah, and like well, and they, sarlacc should... teeth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like literally, there people. There's you can find sarlacc teeth to this day if you go to the right place. Crazy. I was gonna make a joke about them like shooting like what the Mandalorian season two in the California desert. Like, I, there's got to be something that's out there from the Mandalorian. Probably not, honestly. They're like, so there's, there's nothing like, happened. Like, I'm trying to think because that's what the whole thing with Baby Yoda on the rock and like and the, Boba the, Fett the, comes down. And there's got to be him. something. A pack, think, of a pack of cigarettes from uh, <laughs> yeah, from a crew member. Tamira Morrison. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
but I, I just don't I think they're just so serious about not leaving anything behind not just for environmental reasons but just because they don't want stuff ending up on eBay yeah. and looking like jerks or like what if a plot point gets leaked of course by something being recovered we won't want people to know that there's Star Wars happening <laughs> yeah because these plots are so riveting and mind-blowing that you can't have anyone know them in advance it's crazy someone finds a script sheet in the, uh, the California desert that said somehow Palpatine returned <laughs> that came out a script sheet that just says and then Boba Fett cracks four stormtroopers in the face you would have thought it was a practical joke like you wouldn't you know what i mean like it, you'd just be like somebody left this here so i would write about it on the internet and then they could laugh at me for being such an idiot i feel like that could legit happen it would show up like on 4chan and people would just laugh at somebody it's like that one guy that what like in 2006 like like was like oh yeah the eighth star wars film will be called last jedi and no one could figure out how someone could just take a shot in the dark and be that accurate that was actually uh seinfeld writer dave mandel who is on camera saying it's going to be called The Last Jedi like 12 years earlier. That's what I Weird. mean. Like, I, I yeah. feel like it'd be one of those things where like if somebody, if they actually did something like that and it turned out to be true, even if it was like it done as a gag on like like a crew member's part, like it wouldn't be taken seriously. It's yeah. the equivalent of like what the invasion of the body snatchers just running down the road, just like yelling like they're but I think here. His, but I think his, like, I don't know. The vibe I got from that comment was like, the title is like Star Wars colon we're out of ideas like that's what he I think that's what he meant by the last Jedi but yeah. again creatively bankrupt yeah. like joke <laughs> yeah that's what I, I I think that was the intended tone but not so with the actual it, film. I, I should say that like because like obviously is, is Chris being a very prominent member in this where he's on more or less a first name basis with all the important individuals um, I was telling Chris I wanted to pitch an idea for next year's um, and I'm like Chris like, like like we should definitely do something and like Chris is just kind of looking at me like obviously like he knows there's gonna be some sort of punchline to this and I'm like Chris like it has to be around my favorite film of all time The Rise of Skywalker and already Chris is like just shaking his head and I'm like it should be The Rise of Skywalker colon the most unintentionally brilliant Star Wars film of all time and Chris is like the word unintentionally alone disqualifies you from you getting anything approved well I meant that in the terms of like a Star Wars celebration uh, panel, but uh, you might be able to get away with something really? like, something like that in this environment. But like you'd like you'd almost want to script it to the point where like like oh, absolutely. it better be Brilliant. it better have like twenty laughs. Otherwise, like don't waste <laughs> our time because like, we don't want to actually talk about the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so like, why the Disney sequel trilogy is the way? Like and like it boils down to literally yeah. like there's like a prop of like a cork board with the like yards of like. Yeah. yarn just going around like the always sunny <laughs> meme yeah. yeah like it literally just boils down to that being like like who on earth would trust jj abrams and chris terrio the co-writer of justice league in batman v superman to any of this yeah it's like it's it has to all sort of boil down to a plot where they wanted to drive it into the direction of disney plus series instead of feature films like they, that's the that was the end game you know it's uh yeah, it, I will say that every single person I talked to at this thing, at some point, I brought in my affinity for the Rise of Skywalker, and like I don't want to say that killed the conversation at every point, but it definitely caused everybody to kind of like you could tell they double take, like they're just kind of like really, like, like you exist. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's not many of me out there, but we do exist. Well, yet they're like, how did you get in here? Like, what's going <laughs> on? Because you were like a Star Wars fan that like was, like it's weird that you like that's how fractured this like 
quote unquote like fan community is right it's like it's like you're a you're a star wars fan who has a stupid amount of star wars stuff talks about star wars a lot and you like basically didn't belong in this environment <laughs> i did not like like people i can like i will say that everybody part of this group was extraordinarily friendly like everybody was very approachable you could talk to anybody about anything like i cannot overemphasize that enough um and like that was part of like my elevator pitch it's like in like i'm i deliberately chose that phantom menace because it's like okay like again if you like there's like i think there was one other guy there with like a rise of skywalker t-shirt but it was something that was plentiful in 2019 so like when i picked that shirt out that day i was doing it for a very specific purpose and because it's not something that most people walk around with and so like people obviously see that and they're like oh like i haven't seen one of those like at least two people are like oh i haven't seen one of those in a while and i'm like yeah and obviously you talk about that and they kind of look at you they're like so like what and obviously the second question being what do you collect and it's like, I don't really dabble in any of this. And they're like, okay, why are you here then? And it's like, and I always point to Chris in that and be like, he, he, I wrote his coattails in. Well, it, it's not, it's not really that. I mean, I think there was, you know, there was other, like we, we went to that shop, that guy's a collector. There's a ton of modern stuff there. When it got to the sort of buy, sell trade part of the night, there was a lot of, there was other people selling modern figures. Apparently there were some like prequel prototype figures. I didn't notice them, but some people were buying them. I didn't, I didn't see that. But, um, and you know, one of the panels was literally about scavenging Moss Espa from 1999. And, you know, there was a Rick Ole joke here or there. Like these guys, these guys, there was a CO Bibble reference at one point. Yeah. These guys do, do episode one. Like, and they, but that's the thing though. It ends at episode one. And, and like, and like, I, we did, we did forget one thing that I purchased from the Imperial Castle. It was a Saga 2. No, Saga 1. Django and Boba Fett, like, little display, like what, like five by 12. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess um And literally, we like at one point the guy held it up. And he's like, "How much is this going for?" Everyone's like, "Like one guy's like twelve dollars, and it's like seven. And it's like <laughs> like it went down once everybody realized what it was from. Yeah. And like in the whole time during this, uh, just like conversations with people in between panels, I'm just like, "Yep, I'm that guy." Well, no, but isn't that amazing though? Like, so Zach buys two uh, store displays from this shop, a Force Awakens one, which which was agreed upon at a hundred bucks, and, the and other then. One was- and then Attack of the Clones one, although it is smaller, you know, it's from an actual film made by George Lucas, not like marketing material, which is The Force Awakens. And like, you know, it's just the the, the lack of interest is palpable from these guys. Uh, I don't know. It's in, And it even has a mandolinian on it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I don't and something know. that's actually technically contemporary with all the Book of Boba Fett nonsense floating around. Yeah. Um, even at one point, too, like even like they're doing the raffle. For, we should also mention, too, all the stuff they raffled off for uh, Rancho Obi-Wan. Um, that was really cool. Like there was a Cad Bane blanket that was like hand hand woven. That was, I think that was the, what the highest item of the night. I think that went for what north of five hundred. Yeah, right around five hundred. for yeah. a, for a handmade Cad Bane. And that was beautiful. Blanket. Like that's something that like, even if you had that like commissioned, like someone would easily ask like eight hundred to a thousand for us. Yeah. That, that was even a steal at that price. Yeah, um, I, I felt the same considering po- the the vinyl posters were going for like three hundred and yeah. yeah. And no, and, and but anyway, though, getting back to the point of all this, of just like kind of finding your place and all this. And this is something that like, like this is something too that like I would like, again, next year and just ask more as like a philosophical question at something like this event is that what is there being done? I mean this genuinely to recruit newer fans as in people again chris is 33 he said i'm about to turn 30 what is being done to recruit people our age and younger into this because at some point like 
all these collections, people are either going to have to donate them or sell them off. And I don't doubt that there's obviously going to be fans in their 40s and 50s that will buy this. But like any sort of collection, it's going to eventually trickle downhill. Again, don't mean that in any sort of derogatory fashion. And it's like what's being done to entice that new generation? And, and that's something that I find fascinating. Like obviously now – these group of fans are nostalgic about the Phantom Menace and the Phantom Menace was a seismic part of being a Star Wars fan up there was something like obviously the 70s and 80s um but it, it like I don't think there were even though like we're gonna ignore Attack of the Clones but even though Revenge of the Sith is considered widely the objectively best prequel film I don't think people are nostalgic about that release as in may 2005 i don't think there's anything nostalgic about may 2005 it's it's you would have thought that those guys barely knew those two movies came out yeah (laughs) yeah like i think i think the reason for that is like first of all i don't think anything's being done for recruiting younger people to be interested in this you either are you aren't i think it will some maybe 10 percent of this product like the vintage original trilogy stuff will always have an inherent like reasonably high market value just because it's like amazing fantasy 15 or like batman number one like some some people with means will always want the first 12 star wars figures that ever came out will they want any from return of the jedi maybe not <laughs> you know what I mean? like, but i do think there is a point of like we were talking about this about earlier this year in may there was two toy I don't even want to call them conventions in, in this area. And one of them had the Rebel Transport from the Empire Strikes Back, a toy that has never been re released, very exclusive to 1980, exclusive in more ways than one. And I again, I've always wanted this thing because it's just, it, it's it's a unique ship design. It only got that limited release. It truly is limited. I think it was what, released for Return of the Jedi, re released under the Return of the Jedi banner, right? It's, it's possible. I don't recall seeing but that. But the point being is that yeah. it's something that is locked in the 80s. And we were talking about this, like kind of like I was vaguely recollecting what it looked like, the packaging. And I think a lot of the stuff that like, of course, like core aspects of vintage collecting will always be there because it's just 77, 8, I'm pro, 78, 80, and then 83. But looking at a collection, we went to a private collection today and there's a lot of stuff there that like it was, it was enlightening to learn about because it was the definition of getting into the weeds but you are gonna have a hard time getting more than a handful of people to even kind of recognize this never mind want it whereas this generation of fans is obviously knows what it is i do think again chris i I think you and i I think about i am i think it's fair to say we were both star wars fans with a capital sw f um but there are fans out there that are going to sit there like you would need a 30-minute presentation to explain what a lot of this was. Like there's numerous times today like we were going around these displays and I'd be like, Chris, psst, can you explain this to me, please? Like I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't know what I'm looking at. And, and, and that's the thing where it's it's just – I think it's a combination of its niche and combined with there's nothing to even bring this stuff to light. I think it, it's being – it's the Indiana Jones thing of – it belongs in a museum and it's not being allowed to breathe, so to speak. And like letting, like, like again, it, it, I don't know where to begin. Cause obviously it's a private collection, okay. but at the same time too, I feel like people are, it, it's not being, it's not being exposed to the air so people can appreciate it. Well, I, yeah, I think it, like people in those circles would, would tell you it's exposed to the air just because like a lot of these crazy collections, um, where are, are like these days, especially, um, 
all, all these guys were involved in a site called the Star Wars Collector's Archive. And that's, it's still, it's still going. They still add to it. But this is like, like early, early internet site, like this, that, uh, these, this core group of collectors made when they were in college. And like as much stuff as he had there, there's probably an entry that is very easily Googleable for like probably everything in that collection. It's crazy. Like down to like detailed notes about like who's, like even whose collection it's currently in. So it's just so stuff isn't lost, right? Like like for example, on that site, there's a there's an entry for the original painting that was the source art for the cover of Splinter of the Mind's Eye, for example. And like these guys are so serious about this stuff being not lost that in 90% of the cases, it's like, by the way, this is the guy that owns it right now. So like I don't mean okay, well, I guess to uh to rephrase that, it's the idea of like I, I didn't know this ex- like not again it's documented yeah but there's nothing to create enthusiasm for it and that's the thing where I and I think this goes back to just Star Wars collecting of action figures being I don't want to say dying but just there's that notion of th- there's nothing happening to get people excited for this like I said a lot of this stuff was interesting and that's why obviously Chris being a glorified tour guide for most of the weekend was good because it, it definitely gave me a new perspective on this and it's that knowledgeable person that's able to sit there do that and that's the thing that concerns me is that it's just that there's so much again if you are a Star Wars nerd for, mer- uh, nerd for mer- merchandise there's so many stories here that even though they're documented, they're kind of like at the oh god, it's like a book and it's at the they're at the last page, and that's what's it's that notion of there are these stories there, and we we look at like and think of how many Toy Stories that we know for for Star Wars, like obviously like think about the early bird. Like every Star Wars toy collector knows about the early bird. Like, oh, like we did this back in 1977. It was an empty box. Hardy har har, and yet there are so many more if not just as interesting, more interesting stories out there that yes, they're documented on like a GeoCity site. It, well, okay, it, I, it's I'm, not, joking. Yeah. I'm joking. I'm mean, joking. Yeah. It's a joke for it. It's there for yeah, embellishment. But it, it actually predates GeoCities. Okay. You, Thank yeah. you for making the point yeah. worse. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing though. And that's where like a lot of this was interesting. And it's just like, like even like looking at some of the Turkish stuff, I'm like, Chris, why does this matter? I'm like, I know what it is as a Star Wars fan, but I'm like, why? I'm like, what is the point of all this? And he's like, it's visually interesting. And I'm like, boom, like he explained it in two words. And that's my thing is like, I, I feel like there's, again, there are so many, for the same reason why you can go on like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Lord knows whether social media platform is prevalent by the time this gets uploaded. Um, that would be a great avenue for just not saying that you sit there, take pictures of this, but just like a YouTube video, just being like, what's the history behind this? You have all these people that are so insanely knowledgeable about it and clearly want to espouse it and not saying that you say, Hey, this specific item is at XYZ's address, this city, this state. Um, just that's the sort of stuff there should, I feel like should be just, documenting it in a more prevalent way of doing it other than a, a URL somewhere. Well, I, I don't know. I think that stuff's out there. It's just like, there's two facets to it, right? Like, like I geek out on this stuff pretty hard as you can assume. Like, so literally since celebration one, there has been collector collector track panels like that Gus Lopez has put on. So like whatever it is, 20 celebrations, that guy has been there and run a stage of panels that are like, equivalent to the stuff you saw yesterday like 
dry like when you some you you might say some of it's a little dry but you know it's at celebration it's it's a full house for these things it's crazy but i'm gonna give a nice juxtaposition to this there's a youtube channel that i absolutely adore um it's i think it's yesterworld and he's done a couple of videos on just like lost movie props like again a lot like obviously the golden uh, the ruby slippers from the wizard of oz like again your low-hanging fruit but one of them that was the Death Star from the original film and it becoming a trash can for, what, 10, 15 years <laughs> outside, what was it, a, a line dancing bar or something? I thought it was actually, an, I thought it was an antique shop. But maybe. It, it, it ended up there at one, it ended up, it, the point being is that it was about five minutes out of like a 15 minute long video. And it's, it's those things where like if you go around like on the street and you tell people like at the office, you're like, hey, like you want to know a story about what happened to the Death Star from the original Star Wars? Like anybody who's not like a nerd to be like, and like, like. Well, because first of all, it's like, what do you mean? Well, it's like, well, I mean the model that was used, the miniature yeah, model that was used to like, film and, and, a few and, shots where you can actually see dynamic 3D movement on and, the Death Star. And, that's, and, this is, <laughs> and this is the thing is that like in this video that's 15 minutes, it's one segment amongst many, much like what happened yesterday, juxtaposed with the the crate Dragon Bones and the Mos Espa set, is that there's really interesting stories here. I just don't think they're being marketed properly. So and you're saying they're, they should be truncated and have an ex uh, the person who's reading them needs to sound more excited no 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 no, no, no not <laughs> at all um no like i said the most espa thing yesterday was like you're uh, numerous times you're on the edge of your seat just listening to this knowing eventually what would, you knew the ending to it but it's still interesting um no i think there's a lot of this stuff like i said with the collection we toured today where there was so much stuff that was kind of there just like even like at one point we were talking about a ca the uh, card back for three and three quarter inch figures and like like I feel like for the same reason why there's so many, and, and this has become a weird joke on Cinematis, retrospectives on like Disney theme park stuff where that's become its own industry on YouTube where you can legit probably make a five-figure living off making those videos once a month. I feel there's that same potential here for like vintage Star Wars collecting that could bring new people into this that would sit there, look at all this and be like, wow, like – Again, the new generation, and I feel like the the potential, the foundations there. It's just like again, not even like it, I know because of what the guy at the Imperial Castle like is any of this being streamed anywhere? And Chris like very immediately is like no, um, like no cameras allowed. Um, <laughs> it, it, but I think there's that thing like you take these people that clearly have all of this material knowledge, of the story. And just make and like just do that. Like that'd be a fun thing to see, to see like in a year span. It's like a goal, just being like, and again, you use it for a fun, maybe a fundraising opportunity. And you take anything, any views that are gained from this, and you plug it right back into uh, the hobby, the passion that everybody has. And that was probably my big thing. Is like there's there were so many even the um the story about the guy who had the uh, rocket fire Boba Fett at the Walden Books, like. Like God, that, that that was what a fifteen minute story, and the whole time this kept unfolding in ways. And the fact that you can even, I guess, Chris even told me there's a Pawn Stars segment revolving around that. Um, like, like there's so much you can do with this that you could take some level of dramatic license for. And I'm just like, what? Why isn't that as a nerd who loves these sort of little stories? Much like the Death Star trash can, like there, there's so much there, and it feels like it's not that it's being kind of sat on. But it feels like it's being kept in, a, again, the cabal, as yeah. Chris put it, where it's like, and again, you still keep it in the cabal, but let the cabal sit there like once once a year, come out and tell its tales, and then go back. I think that's how you'd have to do it, because I think the reason you don't see more of that is because they're like, 
the the culture of this community is like is such that someone telling that story who didn't experience it it's like it's like it's like plagiarism almost right but you get those people involved though yeah. that'd be the fun thing like obviously you go again that's where again there's the thing is that like, and this is where I've always even told Rob when we do cinematis is that like Rob the key to success is not having a great idea it's just having a YouTube channel that somehow is able to spin this stuff in a way that people really get on board with. And I think there'd be so many great ways to do like, whether it be animation or something like reenactments of all this, like, and you have the people tell it who are there for it first person recollecting it. And that's the thing like I said, it's like there were so many great stories that came out of this, um, that I feel like you wouldn't be able to do it justice reiterating it. And that's why it's like, wouldn't it be great to document this in a way that it brings more people into the, pardon the phrase, but into the club that will also appreciate it and then espouse the, oh God, uh, the the appreciation of it. That's, I mean, that's a good take because like, I, th- I hope you got the impression like they're really, it, they're, it's not, they're really not s- s- trying to keep people out, so no. to speak. Oh, no, that, that's the thing. Everybody yeah. was so friendly and welcoming. Although, it, you know, you had to, like, you had to know where to look to come to this event. Like, they weren't putting it, they weren't making ads well, to sell tickets or well, anything. Well, that's like, the thing, though. Yeah. Like, you also don't want a carpet bagging effect because you want people there that will respect it. But this is a good way to sit there, do that. And obviously, you're not going to go out of your way for this for this sort of thing unless you really, truly appreciate it. Like, Chris does not travel, what was it, nine hours each way Yeah. to, uh, to this if he didn't have some sort of affinity for it. And they made a big point. I think they had all these people from different, oh God, locales that clearly had, not just me who couldn't just drive 25 minutes. Uh, that's, that was the Southwest. thing. <laughs> like that, that's the, that's the funniest thing. Like when this happened in 2019, I was like, like Zach, it's like, it's literally in your backyard, but like, we didn't know each other quite as well back then. We hadn't like talked for like hours about rise of Skywalker at that point. So, you know, but, but, uh, but like, it's really preposterous, like how close this was happening to Zach and, and like just certain things like not knowing um, that the Imperial castle was a short drive. Away from is, him. I can only imagine how many fantastic things I've let slip through my grasp. How many Phantom Menace inflatable chairs have I missed out on because of this? Yeah. Like he's been, that story has been there for five years. Yeah. Crazy. But, uh, <sighs> <laughs> uh. yeah. So, so I don't know. Um, I, I, that's, a, that's a good take, I think, to like sort of like, it, you know, get a, a maybe even, like you were saying, even if it's like an audio format with, uh, like animation or photos, just to like get a real tight version of some of the most compelling stories and, you know, hopefully uh tr- trick some kids into thinking it's cool like get logan paul buying vintage star oh, wars god, figures no. oh god no <laughs> well I, I would imagine that is a fear i would imagine somebody like that would show up and kind of burn it all to the ground but well the thing is though with what a lot of these guys are holding they probably wouldn't mind if somebody like logan paul got into it because the value of their collection oh, yeah. would okay skyrocket yes. But I feel like that would eventually be seen as a detriment to everything. Because that's someone that's going to sit there like – it reminded me of the thing Red Letter Media did a couple of years. They took a bunch of vintage figures and like put them in acid. Like literally got like a large like aquarium yep. tank and literally put them in like a vat like and like, filled it with like acetone and watched – and like filmed it like with a uh, – oh god, like over the course of like a weekend just melting. And I know that just like – and that's, that's the killer is that you have somebody who well, just doesn't care and wants to watch the – like – the the appreciation burned to the ground. Well, you know, I, I'm actually fully in favor of what Red Letter Media did in that putting, little putting, stunt. Putting, yeah. putting vintage cl- no, figures in acetone. Absolutely. Um, because like, well, here, like for one, I could look at that aquarium and tell you 
this isn't intelligently selected to not be expensive stuff. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and, it was and, all it was yeah. crap. And, but. Well, it's just you know, it's like Hoth Han, no weapons in there. And how how <laughs> there's a weapon yeah. in there, that might be Yeah. They, he's tied. not burning money per se. Like, you know, they're probably but I mean they're still probably five or ten dollars a piece and we look at a ninety gallon aquarium or whatever it was. Like sure. you know yeah, like l- like low end there's a couple thousand dollars in there. But you know loose figures especially even like the vintage ones like you know they made millions and millions and millions of them and it was you know it was a bump in social media interest for the topic it was worth sacrificing an aquarium of those figures so many many reads i remember remember talking to like this group of of people about that at the time and i'm just like you guys don't get it man like this is good like this is they didn't like it though yeah they didn't like it but like yeah it's sacrilege yeah i mean but I, i think some of them could put it in perspective that it's like it's like the reason he was doing it is because of how appalled he was by the by the Disney era films, and like that's a good reason. Well, shouldn't you have filled it then with like Goss Towers and like Rose Tico? Like, remember the guy who like was sitting there like what decapitating Rose Tico action figures yeah. at one point? Well, it's more. I mean, I think it's more symbolic saying that like Star Wars is dead by like burning like the stuff that actually mattered. Yeah, I don't see any I, somebody obviously is a toy aficionado I see no reason to like I, maybe it's the toy story lover in me like like to me that's going down the Sid path like it's, it's to be honest that that is heresy if you to do be that. honest that isn't that whatever happened to that if you threw it out or what he could have auctioned that he could have totally like like put that up in Hakes and these same guys who are mad about it would have been bidding on it yeah and that, well, like I said, I, that was my issue when they did that. Because, like I said, that's also not being done for any reason other than to get people like you are deliberately stoking a fire when you do things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the people who would who are, who like those figures do not are not particularly taken with Disney era Star Wars content. But that's what I mean, though. Like, if you're going to sit like this, that's meant to be like a thing. Like, oh, Star Wars is dead. Then, like I said, go. Like, you know, I still don't agree with it. Go get a bunch of Rose Ticos. I or mean, not just specifically her, but I just mean yeah. get the current peg warming figure and, and, and do it that way. I, I don't I remember what company it was, but some retailer was offering uh, a bouquet or a, a bouquet or, or a dozen of roses yes, around Valentine's Day. I don't know if it was like <laughs> Entertainment Earth or something. I, Somebody got away with that. doing that. That's Amazing. cute at least. Yeah, that's cu- OK. That's a clever idea of trying to get rid of some figures. Yeah. Like, like for the record, it should be said that while Chris and I were talking, I took uh, I took four figures that were sitting on the kitchen table, and I uh, um, peeked behind the curtain here, and I placed them in front of Chris, and Chris now is just kind of like like staring into the void of these, and being like, I wonder if Zach has any acetone in the house. I, well, I kind of you know like seeing some five hundred first clones, I kind of feel like Jet Lucas about to be murdered. Like I don't know, that's in- but I want you to describe. This is a very interesting Vader. Yeah, I'm not. For, I'm not familiar <laughs> know, with right? it. I threw Chris for a loop with this. Yeah, he's been sitting on the table for months now. I figured this was a good time to sit there and put Chris to the. T- <laughs> Chris is visually inspecting this. I don't know. Like I didn't. I, like I didn't get this one. Is it's either the Macquarie or like something even weirder? It's something weirder than that. I don't even. I think it's a 2007 figure. It was a comic two pack. It might be a Visionaries. It's supposed to be like Anakin, but I think it also comes with like a Le- a Jedi Leia. I don't know where she is though. She's somewhere floating around. Well, the amazing thing is that Vader's armor, even though it's got like a like a neutral Anakin head underneath that's not burned, the armor is actually a unique sculpt. Something Hasbro's forgotten how to do. Like they have a Macquarie Vader coming out that's just the Empire Strikes Back body with 
unusually sculpted helmet on top. Chris, just be happy it's not the 2013 Boba Fett mold. But it's a Vader figure. It doesn't matter. It gets the Boba Fett mold. Yeah. <laughs> every every figure is the 2013 Boba Fett mold. Yeah. You you just don't know it when you look at it, but you can just hold it in the light the right way. It's like the ending of V for Vendetta. Everyone just pulls yeah. their costumes off, and that's what it is. Well, it's me. like when you... It's like... I don't, I don't know if I'm told you this, but it's like... The, you know how they... The, there was that uh, Mandalorian vintage collection uh atst with like the pirate paint yeah. colors on it like the the clatoonian raider in there you like like who's like uh it looks like a new figure you look at the foot on the bottom and it says copyright 2011 so like his pants are just from something of that course. came out like before the disney sale <laughs> it's just like it's like so little of, it, of that stuff is actually new it's crazy I, I, real quick i should say just to bring it obvious because everything comes back to toys yeah um one of the other things I purchased during this, I mean, talk about the swap me itself. Um, I don't think I, I, we should talk about the poster incident where we found the 2007, the Clone Wars poster where Ahsoka Tano was veiled and that would cause like a minor incident. Yeah. Um, like everybody got, like we saw that. I saw that everyone like immediately wanted to jump on top of it. Um, but one thing I did purchase was, uh, to this day, I still don't, well, 24 hours later, I still don't know what it's called, but it's like the vintage collection book that has like all the documentation of that. Something only came out in the last couple of years. And just, it's funny cause there's obviously, they interviewed Hasbro people for that book and there's some, like obviously somebody who loves Star Wars figures that are outside of your core, like original trilogy, prequel trilogy. So I had really a lot of fun going through reading the stuff for like the Bastilla Shine, the, Oh God, the Republic Trooper, Malgus, just stuff like that. And I love how like in like all the editorializing at the bottom, like, oh, like for every single one, like, like Hasbro fought it at some capacity. Just being like, people don't want this. This is not going to make us any money. And then we'll go on and be like, this figure was very difficult to find. They had to repack it later on in a different way because it was so difficult. Like, and it just goes to show that I don't know what their market research is, but for the last 10 years, they've really just assumed everything and they make in the very beginning of the book they make a very purposeful point of saying like oh yeah like hasbro's constantly looking at polls forums uh engaging with with people at conventions and stuff trying to gauge where the market is because it's always changing and yet it seems like it's got it's regressed their understanding of all this because it seems like like when the book first begins it's like them talking about stuff like in 2006 they had some idea of where it was and then it just regressed over time until eventually it just devolved into, yeah, we, we do what we have to do to get things done. Yeah. I like, I, I thought that book was interesting. I didn't get in on the crowdfunding campaign either, but you know, it's like, this is, it's a cool, like it's a cool place to find stuff like that. Cause there's a guy who just had it for like less than what the crowdfunding campaign was. He's like, I realized I don't read books. So here it is. <laughs> So that, that was almost the attitude of like, yeah. I don't like this anymore. Exactly. Here it is. I yeah. will say, I guess I even like I said, a couple of things I picked up during the swap meet, not during the uh, Imperial castle. Like I got a, Fennec, a, a black series, Fennec Shan, like a legit new figure, which is, which would retail for anywhere between, Oh God, 22 to probably 27 now, just because of what they've raised costs and got it for $20. So there's stuff like that. where obviously dealing with collectors. They're not going to try to gouge you. Um, they'll tell you, like, I sold some stuff. Like, I had some uh, figures where, like, some guy's like, really? You only want this for this? And I'm like, kind of, like, put some, like, good Star Wars collecting karma in the world. Like, I'm not trying. I'm just trying. Like, it, it's going to cost you more to move this. So, like, all I want is why I paid for it. Really? He's like, he's, like, explaining to me. He's like, actually, these are really good, like, remnant troopers if you think about it. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, like, go for it, man. 
So, and then like, oh God, what was the other thing? Because the poster. So there was one guy there. Chris probably knows his name. I forget his name. And he had like a stack of posters. And it was, it was beyond just, it was like marketing material more than like actual posters. And we're going through it. And it had like a sign on that said like $2 each. And I realized there was two. I, nobody else did. But what it was is that's a very specific piece of Clone Wars marketing. It was the 2007 celebration poster where they hadn't even announced Ahsoka Tano yet. It was her veiled where she looks more like Luminara Unduli than she does Ahsoka. And like Chris is like, oh, then somebody else came up and like they lost their minds at this. Like in a good way. Like they were just like it was something that clearly was on their wish list for for a while. And like I kind of just bowed out and I'm like, no, you guys. And Chris is like, no, you can buy it if you want. And I was like, yeah, yeah, take it. And I'm like, no, like you I clearly you two guys. I, Chris was like, Chris, as long as you hang on to this, that's fine. If you ever want to sell it, like call me up because I will like, let me put a bid in for it. And I was like, are you sure? And he was just like, oh, God, he gave me a hug afterwards. He's like, I've been looking for so long. I didn't want to deprive you of it. I'm like, no, dude, like if you're happy to find this. Like, I, I, I got to look at it. I'm happy. I never saw this in person before. I got to check that off a proverbial bucket list. Yeah, like you guys got to understand how weird this was. Like, first, first, <laughs> first, Zach wanted it, and then I was, and then I was like, that is, that's pretty cool. It's, I'm guessing it was given out at a panel because yeah. there's a lot of those celebration posters that are like 11 by 17. Every time there's a new Disney Plus show, they have one. Um, but like, you know, this guy is like the guy who was freaking out over it is actually an Ahsoka focus collector. Which like wrap your head around the fact that that's a real thing. It's like, you know, he like he has pre-production, like he'll have like he probably has like five, six like prototypes of Ahsoka figures, like various Clone Wars ones and whatever. Right. So, you know, I'm glad he got one. But I think even like I didn't look it up, but like I think like 20 bucks even for that poster is probably a steal, to be honest. Yeah. yeah like it's just people. It was also Star Wars, like in a really weird time. Like it's Star Wars. It's 2007 Star Wars promo content. Yeah. Like nobody knew what this show was going to be. Um, like nobody took it seriously because this is like in right after the prequels are concluding. Yeah. Um, I think what what was what was 2007 for Star Wars? Like it was a point where it went into high. Like it, it's 1985 all over again. Yeah. And well, and I mean, the, and but and this uh the the dealer had like the, like this this bucket of this like fo- like folded piece of cardboard of like random posters was like some of my favorite stuff there. There was like an expanded universe timeline that oh, started out with like Tales of the Jedi and like I got a a Hasbro poster that I'm, it was probably from Comic-Con or something, but it was just like this wide poster of like all of their Revenge of the Sith figures. And it's just like so nicely lit and like well laid out. And like you see that fact that you get like 50 figures at the launch of this new movie. And it's just such a like relic of a bygone era and like just how nicely it was put together. Like I definitely, I got one of those, like I've, I don't even know if the guy wanted me to pay for it. It's just like, it's weird how like checked out of that sort of, like they know that they need to keep this stuff and like bring it to these things, yeah. but they're, it's like, they can't throw it out. It's crazy. It's a way of sharing. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like, I'd, yeah. ra- like, I'd rather see somebody have it than it go in the garbage. Inevitably. Yeah. And like, and like, and I posted this, this in the, in the, uh, facebook group a while back but like i like i i like tagged zinger on a post like did you know dirge was on like chef boy rd cans for a while and like there's a guy there who has the labels dirge chef boy rd labels or yeah it's 
it, you, you just can't even believe what you're looking at. I will say when Chris like brought this up to me because Chris was flabbergasted about it. I'm like, Chris, I literally like I remember eating that. Like in 2003 and four, I remember buying those cans. And I remember that because there was a little thing on it where I think you could like mail away for an attack of the clones, like VHS copy if you had enough proof of purchases. I remember that, man. I remember that and they had the Yoda ones. It was like Obi-Wan Dirge and there was like a Yoda one. I remember that, man. Chef Boyardee was delicious. The, la- the, <laughs> <laughs> the last Star Wars movie to come out on VHS, unless you count, like... The some, Australian Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, there's some... Yeah, somewhere in Revenge of the Sith. Though it's not a real place. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't, Down under. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, like, I think... I don't know. I think this was... Like, me and Zach could have still got together and did this, and we would have had a fun conversation. But, like, I think we it benefited from exposing him to some weird stuff in his backyard that he like because like for all he knew like i was either like underestimate under ex, uh, like understating the weirdness of this sort of like vintage collecting community or like it didn't even actually exist i do for the record <laughs> like going into this yeah. um i again i not that i didn't know what to expect but uh like the toy thing like it's like because again i looked chris sent me the itinerary like two months in advance and the thing that, like, it gave me pause because, like, there was, like, oh, like, the first thing is, like, a scavenger hunt. And I'm, like, what? I'm, like, oh, please don't let it be this sort of thing. And it's, like, and, and so, like, I look at it and it's, like, oh, like, local, like, toy, like, shops, dealerships, whatever. And I'm, like, there, there's none of that around here. I'm, like, you need toys. Like, it's Target and Walmart. Okay, but, but you didn't even know about the Imperial Castle. Okay. But, okay, I have all the names on that list. Somehow I overlooked that one. But, like, everything they had listed was, like, these are antique shops. Like, these are not – again, and they're easily picked over or, as Chris has clearly figured out, like, the people in these certain area, geographic locations, have their fingers into these. So, like, if you ever find anything, it's going to be sh- sheerly by accident. Um and so like when I first saw that, I'm like, oh God, I'm like, 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 what is this? Is this just like a bunch of people just like finding things to do, like to make it look good? Cause like they're in upstate New York where there's nothing to do. Um, this one coworker once put it like, unless you're into some white people stuff, you're going to be bored. Um, like, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but no, like I said, I, I, the Imperial castle was probably the great way to start this off. And then again, the panels kind of slowly put me into this world where it, it let you know, like the first panel, I will say, was the oh god, what was that? That was the uh, not the knockoff cases. Yeah, and that was one where like it was the ice water of like, like this is a deep cut. I <laughs> yeah, like this is like this is action like three and three quarter action figure cases from like seventy eight. Uh, that were made by like third-party companies who wanted to like capitalize on the popularity yeah. of Star Wars. It's got these guys had a panel about like cases that were not officially licensed. That's the type of deep cuts and, we're and the type about. of material was used for the trays inside, like the, yeah. the flimsy versus the firm plastic. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, that's what this is going to be. And then, like I said, and, like, and, and again, obviously, two guys, nothing against the two guys that were doing yeah. it, but it was the notion of like the topic, like, okay, it's going to be this. Yeah. And then, like, once you kind of put yourself into that like frame of mind, it made sense and you got more and more engaged with it. And that was the thing where it was like, obviously, as somebody who, like, was there anybody else that had been doing this for the first time there or was I the only one? Uh, there, there was a, there was one other guy who, like, <laughs> he, he, like, never showed up to any of these meetups before yeah okay. but was he part of the uh, cabal or no okay not really like you know he he had bought buy and sell some vintage stuff sure. but like yeah 
But that's what I mean, though, and that like y- you have to know going into this. Like I said, like this would be absolutely. I will say that again of everybody that's ever done this podcast, Russ would have lost his mind. Like Russ, I could just see just eating this up. Like um, Zenger, like I said, Zenger would be polite, of course, but I don't think this is Zenger's cup of tea. Um, Joe Yazo probably would, again is a former KB man- manager and just knows a lot about retail of like the nineties. Um, would have really had a lot to appreciate from this. Uh, no, like I said, it, it was it was engaging. It was engaging because I first I got nervous. Like I said, when you're spending that much time and you're sitting there talking about like in the certain types of plastic and just the uh, the Darth Vader with the the skirt and the boobs, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh god. I'm like, look at my watch, and it's like, oh, this goes on for another six hours. Uh, and then no, but again, it, it became once you figure, you got acclimated to it, it, it became fascinating. Because you talk about all the different like mailway products. Um, like I would love, like I said, if, 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 it would be fun to do a thought exercise for the next six months being like, if I could sit there talk in front of a group like this, oh, I would love to do like, again, like all the promotional stuff, like for the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, just go like the, the stupid little puzzle pieces for the Attack, alone, uh, Attack of the Clones and the Frito-Lays packages. Um, all these like kind of promotional tie-ins that were in the box that we, again, we all kind of take for granted, even going to, um, I know there's what, Frosted Flakes for Kenobi. Like, like stuff like that where it's just like you looking at the marketing tie-ins, which is a form of merchandise that isn't widely focused on, and it's kind of disappeared. Like, you know, there'd be a lot beyond just my morbid well, curiosity with Disney Star Wars. Yeah, well, there's – I think um, I think this is the kind of – like especially like what you were saying like earlier about like how do you, how do you present this stuff – in a way that can actually explain to like the uninitiated that it's actually interesting in like less than 15 minutes yeah, and like present it in a compelling way. Wait, 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 like, wait, wait I, under 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, the, 15 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm like. So like, but I think this is the audience that is receptive to that kind of thing. And one thing we haven't really mentioned is like the tickets for this event were like, like the main day that Zach and I did was like 60 bucks or something you know like i've only been involved with this sort of subculture for like a few years and like like i know that to a certain subset of 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 people it's not that 60 dollars is expensive it's the idea that people some some people like psychologically object to the fact that they should have to pay money to like hang out for a few hours so like it's sort of like a self-limiting factor but the thing is like these guys like pour their heart and soul into this stuff for a 60 dollars ticket the one thing is like they ma- they made like a statue and a poster that they gave out to everybody at the end of the mm-hmm. day like how can they even do that for 60 dollars? you know what i mean like so they have people like sponsoring this stuff like yeah. on and uh, ahead and beyond like to get all that stuff done so Never i mind think- the, sh- the showmanship too just like how it was put together it was lit beautifully again just the the, the joke becoming the posters throughout the room that they're afraid we're going to disappear at the end of the night um then even the uh the key Beyond just the uh, everybody gets a keepsake with stuff that was auctioned off that clearly somebody had to be paid to or use their own time to do it. No, th- this was a hell of a production for sixty dollars. Never mind. Again, the venue had to be paid. You had to again included dinner too. It's dinner. Like, it's like it's it, they couldn't do it for sixty dollars. Appetizers. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like no, it was like and then never mind. Like you said, all the man hours just figuring that the logistics out for this. Um, obviously, the venue has to sit there. It has to be a venue that's. And then probably the most important aspect of all this, which I have to admit, I, it's one of those things where I noticed it throughout the presentations. But man, those tables with those tablecloths with the uh, that were tucked in and had that nice taunt nature to them. Oh, that was beautiful. Like that, like a part, like, I was, like, like that is a subconscious thing that is like, I was just like, man, like it's those sort of touches. 
And I'm not even saying that to be like uh, ironic. Like I noticed that, and a couple of times, again, like when you hear about the cheese lids and the proof of purchases, you kind of zone out a couple for a couple seconds, and you, you, you kind of look around the room and you see that, and you're like, man, like someone probably spent 25 minutes doing that, and you gotta give again. That's a level like you could very easily just put a tablecloth down and just walk away. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, like you know, it was all clipped underneath, so it was tight, and it might be like I don't know, it was like it was nice yeah and but i mean it's a it's a weird thing to like zone in on i, I now that you mention it I it was I, highlighted I, after I, the fact yeah it was highlighted once everything yeah. was over i probably subconsciously noticed it but uh but you know i all that to say like the like they're sort of like these these people like want this stuff to sort of continue to be relevant of course right so like i think like like for example i was talking about like um at celebration they have this collecting track stage that has like sponsors and volunteers like otherwise like read pop and lucasfilm like wouldn't even do it because like none the only resources like read pop and lucasfilm put towards that covers like the background of the stage like getting the room set up and audio technician but like you know like for example like we're like i've i've filmed those panels for it's in chicago and the last time in anaheim with with uh my friend mark and like there's no like they're never going to cover that and there's a professional camera crew on every other stage in, in the venue right so it's and and like just like door ushers and like and those panels have giveaways at free giveaways at the end of every panel stuff that costs thousands of dollars to produce and like those numbers and it's just like it's interesting like there's probably a way to sort of like tap into like the amount of like goodwill and excitement and, and resources to like I don't know. That's an interesting idea what you're saying about like repackaging some of these stories because like I think some effort like that needs to be done to sort of help make this more relevant yeah. and interesting Again, for gr other people. Grow the cabal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, grow make the it, outer circle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not make, it, make it a little less clandestine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's an interesting idea. But other than that, I'm trying to think what else was there. Chris didn't buy because you. Other than that, posters you didn't really get anything. Yeah, I bought had, I bought some uh, Tales of the Jedi comics. Okay. Like the yes, yes, Sith you did. War yes, stuff. yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, you'll kill drama. Yeah, which I mean, I, yeah. So like, I I only I think I only aside from those posters only got comics. Like this, it was the same guy, and like you know he like he's I could tell like he was sort of his comics were like Vampirella, Lady Death. And Tales of the Jedi. I'm like, I am this person. So like, you know, I got some of a little bit of all of that. So I don't know. Like, I find that like, like uh, as into the vintage stuff as I am, like right, like now, like I'm really like focusing on like mid '90s, like expanded universe type stuff, just because it's like, it. I don't think Star Wars was ever cooler than that. <laughs> <laughs> mid 90s mid 90s star wars yeah like 90 like like start like of pre special edition star well, wars well i mean like like air to the empire like star air wars? to the empire is 91 so but like that is still so like the good. rebirth of star wars yeah like that like yeah, that's like 91 to like 98 it's like so I, in so in publishing ran the company yeah but like you know like the dark empire comics with like the cam kennedy art like you know you have like the judge dread like 2000 ad guy doing star wars and it looks like that's the guy who's doing it and it's just like bonkers looking as to use one of your favorite words and like i don't know like that like that type of stuff is like what's exciting me lately just so like i like even the at celebration and the imperial commissary convention i went to in nashville i mostly came away with 90s nice. comics dark horse stuff yeah 
I will say that probably consistently the comics is where like Star Wars just does whatever it wants. Like as somebody who's recently picked up the like twenty seven, I think it's the twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen Vader comics, like where you have like Jocasa new with like a lightsaber gun, and I'm just like, I, I remember hearing about that, but and seeing it in action, and like it legit like starts to like it's there's a scene in that comic, and I'll take this away from like the '90s stuff that Chris was mentioning, but just again give a a personal example to like just how insane those comics are. She like shoots the lightsaber gun like five or six times, and I guess it overheats because why wouldn't it overheat? Um, and like there's a moment in the comic where think of the moment from Lilo and Stitch where uh, I guess Jumba has the gun and like he's shooting it and Stitch stuffs it with a carrot and they treat it like a hot potato. That happens almost scene for scene in this Vader comic until eventually just like it blows the hole in the side of the Jedi Temple. And it's just like, huh. Like, like the whole time, like, like, can you imagine like again pitching that to like a uh, – Oh God, license executive at Disney just being like, yeah, we want, we want a lightsaber rifle and we want a uh, Vader in the librarian from attack of the clones using it as a hot potato for uh, five panels. Dude, like I would look, I bet you it came out that, I bet you that came out like a w- two weeks after Lilo and Stitch or something. If you looked at the date, it's like somebody was actually trying to be subtle and like, and like show all their friends what they did after the comic actually got printed. But, uh, I don't like, th- there's crazy stuff. Like Dark Horse t- had one called the Empire where like, like an Imperial base on like the home planet of like a man, a man, like, do you know what a man, a man is? A man, a man is a hideous alien in Jabba's palace. That's uh-huh. like. He's called that because it's like an an it's like a broken anagram of banana man, and like he literally looks like a like a walking banana peel. And he, like you should, Google, Zach should probably Google a man man while I'm talking about this because he's got a staff with human skulls on it, and and uh, he drags around a human corpse as well that looks like Uncle Owen did after he got burned alive, and like it's just a man a man but there's a dark horse comic where like an imperial base on a man a man's home world is like horribly overrun and assaulted by a man a man and it's like basically a horror movie of like oh the guy from return of the Jedi. yeah he's like a background guy in Jabba's yeah. palace but there's dark horse comic where like it's basically a horror story of like an army of those guys like overtaking an imperial base like starship troopers style wow. it's just like there's crazy stuff that you you know you're yeah, never he's the see one us. who uh we see him when uh they uh jabba pants is like like captain solo is my favorite uh wall decoration yeah you know it's he's kind of he's like efont mon and uh yeah. Her- hermy yodel or whatever his name is just a preposterous design that you basically don't see in the movie but somebody you know somebody put a lot of effort in there but like like i don't know if you can see there's like oh there's yeah. pictures if he's, you look no, up a production hideous. and if you look up production still like his staff does have human skulls on it <laughs> oh <laughs> For, my god is this real yeah no no i like what they made new merchandise of this in the last 50 yeah there's um, I'm showing Chris a picture right now. Wow, I don't know. Is that a costume? What I don't is know that? what that is. Is it inflatable? Or is that a Kubrick or something? I don't. Know I hope that. it's not inflatable because someone's gonna get some wrong ideas. Well, th- there's definitely a Power of the Jedi, a Man to Man figure yeah, from like I, 2001 or something. What the heck? This yeah, is, this is the last like 15 years. That's very odd. That's very odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, because I found the Kubrick. Yeah, it might be the Kubrick figure. Yeah. That shouldn't exist either. <laughs> None of this should exist. This is very unsettling. Like, there's, like, there's some actual pictures of the prop. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. There's moments of Star Wars. You should, it's a kind of, there's moments of like Star Wars where I feel like it's like staring into the sun. Like, 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 like it's there. We can't ignore it. But like, we shouldn't look at it either. We should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but I mean, you know, like it's kind of like um like just to, to highlight like like 
oh, like we were talking, I was talking about those characters in the comics, but like, 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 you know, there was a panel at Celebration, like not on the collecting track stage, but it was just all about like, just a deep dive into like the, uh, the creatures that are in Jabba's palace. Like, I feel like that's a lot more palatable to the average normie. Like, it's not like it's deep into collecting, but like when you start looking into that sort of stuff, like oh, it's, weird. it's just rabbit holes upon rabbit holes though. Right. Eventually the average audience member will have no idea what you're saying. Like one of the blue, one of the Blu-rays talks about like the light man who's like, of course. Yeah. And it's like the you, fool's you, gold of uh Jabba's palace creatures. <laughs> yeah. And like you are like, you must lose like th- immediately 30% and then cl- dropping from there when you start talking about light man. So like, I don't know, like I think there's a way to package that stuff more concisely that would get people, uh, make it a little more palatable for people. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a worthy project. And I, I might, uh, try, try and, uh, pitch, do something that. with that. Yeah. Oh my God, Chris. Oh my God. So many, so many ideas. So little yeah. Time. All right. Is there anything else to say about this? Uh, I guess the only thing I have to say is that on top, I think the only item I didn't mention I purchased was I purchased a 1996 C3PO and R2D2 beach towel for $10. So I know I'm going to be taking a shower with later tonight. Yeah. Well, I don't have a pool. <laughs> <laughs> Should we stay? Like, I'm not just using it because like, I don't have another towel. I wasn't like, you know what? Like, my other towel just got ruined in the dryer last night. Like, I need something. Like, 10 bucks. Like, it's convenient as hell. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a pretty it's a, it's a pretty wild, uh, very colorful towel is. that looks like it was probably never used for like 25 years. I know, so. right? Exactly. Like, at that point, how can you not? Just the just the appreciation and value alone, you have to buy it at that point. So I don't know, like yeah, I th- I don't know, I, I I had a good time. Hopefully, hopefully Zach had an interesting experience, if not a good time, and uh, it was cool to sort of hang out for a couple of days and uh, uh, do something that I was going to do anyway. So exactly, yeah. And Chris was nice enough to invite me to to be part of the oh god it's like that moment from the phantom minutes it's like oh where'd you park your ship like we parked like on the outskirts of osespa like that's what i feel like like imagine the circle like you have like what boon to eve pod race like the inner circle like like wado's box like that's the innermost circle that's those are some of the high rollers there the other night and then like you have chris and chris is like the uh, skull face alien guy like running around osespa then you have me i'm like captain panaka and obi-wan on the ship well i mean it was just so weird it's like we like 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 we're, we're wrapping up here but like zach mentioned we visited a private collection earlier today like you know this is like a like a top for sure top 10 maybe top five collection in terms of the items in it like in the country and it's in zach's backyard along where with this meetup was it literally was five minutes from where i used to work like literally five minutes like almost shocking yeah, like, I don't know. I just, like, I can't imagine how I would think if you had come to Canada and been like, Chris, do you know what's happening in your backyard? Like, I don't know. That'd be the weirdest thing Chris, to did me. did you know there's a Tim Hortons in Canada? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, did, like, did you know the Star Wars collecting Illuminati is, like, attempting to meet up annually in your backyard, even though COVID kind of messed that up? Yeah, this, I don't know. I still like the fact they made the joke numerous times. The second annual three years later. That was that was kind of, I, and the fact they kept, like, just, like, smacking everybody in the head with that, like, I kind of... I appreciate that joke. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that was good stuff. Um, uh, I'm glad we got to record in person. I brought, I brought some gear for that purpose and, uh, I'm glad it didn't go to waste. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, hopefully, uh, we can maybe, I don't know. I don't know how long Zach's going to still be in the area, but hopefully we can get in one more of these. Who knows, man.
That'll be the Southeast Star Wars. I will start the Florida branch of the Star Wars clandestine group. It'll be exclusively Rise of Skywalker merchandise only. Yeah, there you like, go. It'll be, it'll be a club of four and a half people. Yeah, <laughs> be- yeah well, I'm, I'm pretty sure there doesn't currently exist. Oh, wow, I shouldn't say that because somebody somebody might object. So, 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 but I don't being- think there's a Florida like collector's club. I don't think there that oh, exists. Oh, man. Yeah. No, mine's going to be exclusively Rise of Skywalker. Like, yeah, that, well, that's, that's my niche. That's going to be my niche. We're going to ride that train hard. It's only 12 pieces of merchandise. It'll be really easy to collect all of it. I can tour it around the backpack on the weekends. All right. So, sounds good. You you built up that collection this weekend. So that's I progress. Have, I will. All righty, folks. So concludes this episode of Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you to Anne Superiority Complex for writing our theme song. If you want to hear more from us, you can always check us out at KOV Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate, uh, again, Spotify review. That's the easiest way now on top of the iTunes review to sit there, boost us in the uh, social media algorithm, social engine algorithm. Um, on top of that, if you want to hear more of me, I th- the Cinemodity's uh, hiatus continues, even though I thought the drought was coming to an end. Um, I know we're on the verge of a uh, monstober, but again, check us out there. Some fun episodes, discussions. Uh, Chris, when you are not part of uh, wandering around Mos Espo looking for backpacks and moisture evaporators, what are you up to? Um, you can go ahead and follow me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram and Zach already mentioned it, but you know, we're going to try and, I don't know, I think the goal is to like increase the content output vaguely with Knights of Vader. So like do get ahead of this, get ahead of the curve and follow the Knights of Vader Instagram. So yeah, at least know what's going on with that. You too can see Chris and I outside a toy shop holding up memorabilia as I almost dropped one piece into the road. Okay, folks, good night, but not goodbye. And as always, may the force be with you. <laughs>